1: It must be Zamzos growing in your yard, garden, or oh barn. You've done it right, you see it. Got my help that you need it. Zamzos really makes you want to come home. I'm coming home. Cause nobody
2: knows. Like Zamzos. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzos Garden Show on News Talk KBOI.
1: Good morning, and welcome to the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host today, Callie Zamzo, and I have a very special guest with me today, my father, Jim Zamzo. Good morning, Callie. I'm so glad to have you here, Dad. Thanks. Yeah, it's wonderful. I want to uh, very quickly let people know that we're not taking calls today, but they're welcome to send us an email anytime they like, either during the show or anytime, really. They send the email to zamzos at zamzos.com. You ever try that, Dad? You ever send an email to Zamsos at samsos.com? No, I haven't figured out how to turn
0: my computer.
1: (laughs) Ah, just fun, and yeah. Okay, so today, I'm very excited because you're going to be talking to us about gardening. I'll be asking you a few questions, and we'll see what you have to, you know, what sort of information you can spread across I'll the I'll do my today. best. <laughs> It'll be very fun. I think before we get started, actually, um, it'd be kind of fun just to know, in general, kind of what you're doing right now. I think that um, the valley sort of sets the pace sometimes hearing what you're doing and understanding kind of what you're up to. So I guess question number one is, what you been doing?
0: Well, that's a good question. People say, well, you're not cutting very many spots anymore. We hear your kids all the time, but now... you. What are you doing? Just sleeping in? I go well. No, (laughs) not really. But right now, you know, I'm getting ready for spring. I'm burning my ditches. I'm getting the orchard ready over in Emmett. I've got my trees all pruned. I'm uh, getting my garden ready. I've got to start getting it staked out and and lined up. I started some tomato seeds and things indoors. So I'm doing that. And of course, you know, I have a Number of other things to do. We have dynamite marketing in Meridian, which I kind of help direct, and the Doctor dot com website, which is doing very well. So working on that, and you know, we bought that new bakashi fermenting company, so we're working on that a little bit, and plus we're making uh, a lot of chicken soup for the soil for agriculture right now. So, uh, and that's that's really incredibly. Uh, good and doing well so and
1: I know that that's fulfilling for you because you've always you've always wanted for big ag to be involved and to be bringing life back into the soil and kind of undoing some of the things that have happened over the decades and so getting involved at that level has got to be very satisfying
0: well you know I've spent so many years working on horticulture and and helping people with their gardens And when I started working with Big Ag, with uh, some Amish farmers in Illinois, uh, with thousands of acres, I realized I can really affect a lot more people in Big Ag than I can just doing small gardens. I mean, small gardens are very important, and we need to teach people how to raise their own food. But for the people that don't raise their own food, that depend on agriculture, we need to help those guys to do better as well. So uh, I've been thrusting my little bit in my direction that way and uh, started off by developing some seed treatments for them and then uh, moved on into doing fermentation and reactivating the soil which is critical in my opinion so that's what I've been doing.
1: Really true kind of with with our our personal gardens the same thing that you're doing with big ag as far as reactivating the life in the soil right it's just that on a on a smaller level in our backyards maybe we haven't been quite as aggressive in stripping our lands as maybe big agriculture well that yeah
0: it? or even more my education of course was conventional it was all about learning how to use chemical fertilizer nitrogen phosphorus potassium and then how to deal with the insects and diseases and things like that what kind of drugs and chemicals we had to put on and I as I've you know I've been doing this for over 50 years I've started realizing We've got to go back and kind of focus on nature a little bit more. Remember that we've got all of this biology in the soil, all these microbes and tiny critters that are, that are functioning, keeping things alive. And then, interestingly enough, the soil gets better and our crops get better and our plants are better and, oh, we don't have any insects and didn't have to spray. What's going on here? so I'm trying to teach to go back to the natural way you know grandma she absolutely not only would she not take an aspirin but she wouldn't put any fertilizer on her garden either I I tried to put on some sixteen 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 on her garden when I got out of college and she said James you stay out of my garden
1: (laughs) don't mess (laughs) it up
0: (laughs) so you know she always had a wonderful garden and all she used was compost and things that she put naturally in there and so that's that's what I'm trying to teach. It's kind of like making sauerkraut for the soil, sure. or yogurt, or kombucha, mm-hmm. or or whatever. We're just trying to get the life back in the soil like we are in our own intestines.
1: Yeah, I get that. You know, we had a question uh, the other day that came up about um, what makes the Zamzos lawn program different. I know this is going off a little bit, but I think that there's still a, a deep misunderstanding of the difference between chemical fertilizer and biologically correct fertilizer. And I think that that might be worth talking about just briefly here before we get into the garden part of all of this, because I think people think um, fertilizing is fertilizing is fertilizing. And there is a difference, and it, and it matters a lot. And so the question was, if you just compare bags, you have those three numbers that are on the front of the bag, what makes the Zamzo's three numbers different than the three numbers on a different bag of Well, chemical let's fertilizer. think
0: of it this way. What if every single meal you got a big T-bone steak and a big Idaho baker with nothing else, no fat, no no vegetables at all other than those two? You'd have the protein and and the nitrogen and the phosphorus and the potassium. You wouldn't have any vitamins or minerals or any of the things that make your, your whole body function. So while you were getting everything basically necessary. you weren't getting the full meal deal if you will right So look at the soil. We've got our nitrogen phosphorus and potassium and you know maybe some sulfur and magnesium and a few other things that are stuck in there. but we've got an imbalance going. Now those are very important and I don't want to downplay them, but we can do it in a more balanced way. And when we do it in a more balanced way, our plants are, are happier, they're healthier, our root systems are better, our soils start to hold and retain water better. Uh, all kinds of wonderful things happen. And we've got a lot of people in Big Ag, you know. A lot of them are doing no-till methods, and there's a lot of different companion crops and things like that, rather than monoculturing, but uh, we need to go a little bit further than that. Sure. And that's why I invented that chicken soup for the soil. Uh, really, we can use that straight, or we can ferment it and make a biological soil stimulant. And we don't have to pay so much money for all of these biologicals. You know, it's it's not uncommon to have to pay anywhere from 70 to $200 a gallon for a biological that treats four or five acres. When we can teach people how to do thousands of acres for yeah. about the same amount.
1: Well, the key in, in microbiology is that things will grow. You you can take some and you can put it down, but the nice thing is if you create that substrate, you know, have the food there, have all the the things that they need to survive, they will multiply and multiply and multiply, yep. and and so that's and
0: build humus in the soil. Doing absolutely, that too. yeah,
1: absolutely builds all of it at the same time, which is lovely. The Plants benefit, the microbiome benefits, everything benefits. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. well, you know, I could. Geek so really, out on this I didn't
0: waste my money sending you off to college
1: after all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might have. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, so um, what else? Just we're we're kind of getting close to a break here. But is there anything else that you've got going on? Maybe maybe non Zamzos wise? Is there anything that you're that you're working on in particular that's got you a little bit excited? Hey, I can go. I got some new bees. Did I tell you that? I, I got new bees and I and a new hive. And so I'm now a beekeeper
0: yeah congratulations <laughs> you know i i love my bees i i don't i don't keep bees for honey i keep bees because i want to increase the population of the bees in the valley so Absolutely. Uh, so i i love that and yeah i'm you know i'm going to grow another try to grow a 20 foot or her bigger tomato this year oh. uh, and i'm going to use a better boy variety this year i'm going to Instead of doing the cherries, I'm gonna go for a bigger fruit. All right. And just see what happens. So all
1: right, very good. Well we are talking gardening today with Jim Zamzo and we'll be back after this break. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on Newstalk KBOI.
2: Hi, this is Joss Zamzo, and it's time to put down Zamzo's lawn food, plant grass seed, and to feed your trees and shrubs with Zamzo's Thrive. And even though it rained, snowed, and was cold most of March, April's almost over. And if you don't put down your lawn food, plant your grass seed, and feed your trees and shrubs with Thrive, by the time you get around to it, it could be too late. Which is why it's time to apply Zamzo's Biologically Correct Lawn Food, which is step one of the Zamzo's Lawn Program. But you don't have to be part of our lawn program to use our lawn fertilizer. You can buy it one bag at a time and apply it anytime you want. And April is the best time to plant grass seed. And Zamzos has a variety of grass seed to suit your exact needs. And now is also the time to feed your trees and shrubs with Zamzos Thrive, so they have the nutrients they need to wake up strong and healthy. So what are you waiting for? Come see us now at Zamzos. 13 stores to serve you, including our Chinden store, which is Idaho's largest indoor greenhouse. Nobody knows like Zamzo. News Talk, KBOI.
1: Welcome back to the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host today, Callie Zamzo, and my co-host, or my, I don't know, it's hard, it's...
0: I I prefer guests.
1: (laughs) My guest today is my dad, Jim Zamzo, and we're talking gardening, so this is kind of a fun fun uh class if you will so
0: far we haven't we've talked about everything but gardening. well that's
1: true but we're going to get into it on this segment i do want to remind everybody that we're not taking live calls today but you can definitely send us an email to zamzos at zamzos.com and we will answer your questions at any point so feel free to do that okay dad so let's let's dig into this i talked to you about this just the other day because i'm turning one of my side yards into a garden this year there's been grass there and I've just decided I want more space and I'm gonna turn that into a garden area. So let's talk to people a little bit about if they want to start a garden the very first time, or if you're like me and you're gonna create a new space for a garden, where where does one begin?
0: Well, I guess, first of all, do you decide what kind of garden you want? Are you gonna do open till the garden and, and make furrows and plant in that? Are you gonna do boxes? My old friend Dick Raymond back in Vermont came up with what he called postage stamp gardening, which is literally tilling areas right in your lawn, like you would do a square box that was elevated, but you just plant right in the, right in the grass. Hmm. You know, you till it up. You, right. you don't plant it in the grass, but, but the grass is between your your boxes and things like that. Uh, You can look up postage stamp gardening or wide row gardening or intense gardening, all of those types of uh, different methods. So you have to decide your methodology. If you're in an apartment, then you're going to be planting in a pot or a series of pots or or something like that. But for this discussion, let's talk about just the old-fashioned planted-in-the-ground garden which is what I've gone back to, and I've done all of the previously described gardens. I like to just get in the ground, get it enriched, get it tilled up and plant, and then of course, I in my method, I mulch pretty heavily in between the rows, but we can talk about that. So the very first thing you need to do once you've decided what type of gardening you're gonna do is what's the location. Not everybody has the perfect location, but any location will work. I mean, you, it's amazing how little sunshine you really do need to grow a good garden. Some things do better in full sun, things, some things do better in, in less sun. So a lot of it depends on what you want to plant and how much room you have and so on. But I think the most important thing about it is if you can find a location that is as full of sun as possible, uh, preferably four hours a day if, if possible, you need to try to get as far away from trees as you can because the trees will send out scout roots into your garden and they'll it, they'll start stealing your good nutrients that you're putting in there. Uh, we don't always have that opportunity, so we, we do with what we have. So as far away from trees as you can, and once you've selected that site and you've decided basically what you're, what you want to grow, you do your soil prep. And the soil prep, and by the way, I, I want to mention this because years ago, uh, I, I can remember I was planting peas, and I thought, where are my kids and grandkids? Uh, they should be here so I can teach them how to plant peas. And that was the year, it's been about 15 years now, that uh, I decided that I was going to video the entire summer in my garden. So that I could teach my kids and grandkids things that maybe I didn't get a chance to teach them personally. Sure. And, of course, the benefit then is for everybody. Well, we took those and we consolidated them into about 30 different tips. And those are for free on our website, drjimz.com. D-R-J-I-M-Z dot And just click on... I don't know, but they can probably find it. It's a pretty
1: simple website. It's not very complicated, so you can find it pretty easily. It's like
0: tips or it's a garden tricks or something like that. But anyway, I, I start with the preparation of the soil there. And like I told you the other day, I like to go in and put at least a couple of inches of good compost or the best compost that you can on that soil and before you till it or anything. And usually, if it's new ground, uh, I usually like to flour it with gypsum in this area. Gypsum helps hold the salts down, add some calcium, add some sulfur. And you people say, "Well, how much do you put down?" And I go, "Well, a lot." <laughs> uh, and if you if you want to know how much, uh, just imagine what a what a chicken leg looks like before you fry it when you flour it. You know, you put it in the sack and you shake it up and it's all white, that's, mm-hmm. how, that's about how much gypsum you should put on. If we're in acid situations, like if we're up in Cascade or McCall areas or up in the mountains, in what we call the decomposed granite areas, then uh, we might need to put on some lime or dolomite lime. That gets calcium and magnesium in the soil usually. But down here in the valleys, usually just gypsum works fine. And then you till it up. Now, a lot of people don't like it when I say till it up because we've <laughs> got so no many people movement. are in the no-till movement. But if you're going into new ground, and I I believe in the no-till uh, movement, uh, for sure, uh, with a few of my own variables, but go in there and then till it. And till it good and deep, you know, till it eight to 10 inches, and get all that compost and gypsum worked up in there. And And one thing I forgot, too, is I'd like to also put on a pretty good heavy layer of of an organic-based fertilizer. The one we have is what we call Nutra rich which is a, a composted chicken manure that's fairly high in calcium. And you till that all into the ground together. And the advantage to doing that when you start is, especially with the phosphates, which is what develops good roots and good fruit blooming and, and size of fruit— that doesn't move in the soil very much. So when you put it on the surface of the soil, it doesn't often get down into the soil. So I like to have you till that all in real good and deep. Once you've done that, get your garden rake out and rake it all out nice and level. And then if you haven't planned your garden before this, Hmm, it's a good time to do it. (laughs) Uh, But I like to then measure and stake out my rows. And I like to put a lot of room between my, my rows for walking and so on. We always have a tendency to plant things too close together, especially as new gardeners. We plant them too thick. We've got to thin them. You know, carrots. My gosh, mm-hmm. I can remember planting a package a carrot seed and happened to pull most of it out just because I I just (laughs) wanted to, you know, you only need a carrot about every inch or so at the most. Yes,
1: I've done that many times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we have a tendency to plant too thick in the row and we have a tendency to plant our rows too close together. So give yourself uh, plenty of room. Uh, And once you've gotten that all lined up and you've figured out what you're going to plant, then we do our planning where are we going to plant this stuff, uh, and, and how are we going to configure the rows and, and things like that, which we'll, we'll get into, I guess, next.
1: We will. Now, just really quickly, as we get ready to go towards break, if you don't have a dad who has a, rot- a rototiller that you can borrow, is that just something you can go over and rent? Can you, is that just a yeah, rentable all, item? All the
0: rental companies will rent them, and then there, there are also people that, that commercially till your, your garden. If you have a very big garden, I would recommend that you do that. But you can go to Tate's or any of the other good rental places and and rent a tiller and, and till it up yourself.
2: All
1: so. right. Well, thank you, Dad. Uh, I guess we're ready for a break again. Um, this is the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm talking with Jim Zamzo about Gardening 101 today. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Callie Zamzo, and April is the ideal time to plant or reseed a new or existing lawn. And right now we're seeing a lot of customers with dead spots in their lawn that they want to fix. Well if this sounds like you, come see us at Zamzo's. We carry our own special blends of grass seed, which were designed to do well in our area. In fact, our Zamzos custom blend has three types of seed and does well in both cool and hot weather. We also have a special mix for shady and play areas and even a drought tolerant blend that saves water. Remember, buying an annual grass seed that won't come back next year or one designed to work in another climate is not going to fix your problem. Plus, all Zamzos grass seeds are available both by the bag or in bulk, so you save money by buying only what you need. So whether the dead spots in your lawn were caused by a lack of water, insects or disease, or the family dog, ZAMZO's has the seed and everything else you need. But don't wait, cool temperatures won't last forever. So if you're planting grass seed, plant it now with help from us at ZAMZO's.
2: Broadcasting from the Empire Tidal Studios, we are our News Talk KBOI.
1: Welcome back to the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host today, Callie Zamzo. I'm here with my dad, Jim Zamzo. We're talking about Gardening 101. It's kind of fun, Dad. We're just talking about it. We're going to have to be doing it here soon. So, you know, there's that.
0: That's what I I should be doing right now. (laughs)
1: Right? Right. I feel a little bit, uh, yeah, I feel a little guilty sitting in the studio instead of actually being out in the garden. But that's okay. That's the Zamzo way, I suppose. Okay, so when we left off, we were talking just about the preparation of a garden, just the very beginning, you know, you're you're making a plan and whatnot. Um, Was there anything else to preparing the garden? You were talking about tilling, and is there anything else that you... Yeah, there
0: were a couple of things I forgot. Uh, The first thing is, if if you have a bunch of pasture-like grasses or uh, heavy tillering-type grasses that are perennial meaning they come back year after year, we need to get rid of those. And I always like to just dig those up and get them out of there. So uh, I would recommend that you do that. And then when you rake it out, you know, if you've got any big rocks, or usually I say anything bigger than about a quarter, it's good if you can get rid of those because they kind of get in your way. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't really hurt anything other than just they're a nuisance. So uh, I can remember Dad would go through and hoe his garden and he was always picking up rocks and he'd throw them over his head you know instead of, instead of, like he was throwing them out in the pasture <laughs> and my my brother and I would be out there loading the wheelbarrow with manure or something you know and here comes a rock you know oh, <laughs> comes <no>. sizzling
1: by <laughs> sailing <laughs> so, sailing over toward yeah. you
0: so get rid of those rocks and uh,
1: just throw them at uh, your kids apparently
0: just but then, that, then, then once you get your garden staked out you're ready to, to start planting
1: okay All right, well, so this is the kind of exciting part. This is the, uh, when you put the seed beneath the sod and wait for it to push away the clod part, right? Yeah, that's it. All right, so uh, is there, uh, we we have a seed starting guide with the Zamzos, if you go to Zamzos.com, you can get our seed, it's free. You can download it and print it. And it will talk about if you're going to be starting your seeds indoors versus when you want to put them in the ground, depending upon you know how you want to do it, and it talks about timing and what specific seeds go in when. Because, for instance, I people get really anxious to get their tomatoes in the ground if they come from warmer climates. They think they can do that right now, and they are really, really wrong. Right, <laughs>
0: right. In fact, you know, I used to plant really early and and protect my plants and try to get things going. And I can remember my dad saying, "You know, James." if if you uh, take one of those plants and stick it in the ground, and I put a seed in the ground, I'll get tomatoes pretty close to the same time you do. Mm. Uh, and and he actually proved that to me. Uh, the truth is, it's not, you know, maybe a little bit later, we don't have two weeks time to waste. So I like to get my plants started early on the, on the warm season stuff like tomatoes, peppers, eggplants, things like that, you need to start those inside or you can buy them at the store uh, later on to set them in if you don't want to start them indoors. A lot of people don't have a good sunny window or a greenhouse, so I would recommend you buy them at that time. But start those now uh, and then you. by the time you get ready to plant the middle of May, then they're they're ready to go in. I would suggest, especially for new gardeners, Don't try to get those in before the soil is warm. And that's usually in this area about the middle of May. Uh, You can, and if you're anxious and you want to use of waters or uh, different types of protection, you certainly can do that. Most of us don't have time to fool around if we've got jobs and so on, you know.
1: Well, if you're a Zamzo, you have to because there's a contest on who gets the first tomato, so... We all have to do all the tips and tricks to get it get those things <clears throat> yeah, in the that, ground as that soon as first possible. precious
0: tomato, right? <laughs> <laughs> but for as far as the other stuff, uh, right now we can plant our peas. Don't forget to inoculate your peas; you'll get double the yield if you put a good inoculant. So when you buy your peas or your bean seed, and beans, of course, go in later when it's warmer. But peas, right now. You can, you can plant, make sure you soak them and inoculate them, and they'll just come like gangbusters in this, with this warm we- uh, weather coming up. But you can plant all of the cool season grasses, which come with that, uh, pardon me, <laughs> cool, cool season crops that, that uh, uh, are on the guide. Things like radishes and lettuce and spinach and chard and all those things that will be listed that you can plant early. In fact, they do better when it's cool. Mm-hmm. You can set out cabbages, all of the coal crops now cabbage, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, those types of things. But wait until the middle of May to plant the warm season things, and you'll be much better off. And then.
1: With the cooler season things, just really quickly, because I think there's confusion sometimes and you see this, some of the cool season stuff. You're planting now and you're going to be harvesting them early, too. So I think people forget sometimes they'll, you know, I'll, we'll get questions in the heat of summer and they'll be asking about what's happened to their peas. And what happened to their peas is it got hot. Yeah. So I think there's a, really try to understand what it is you're growing and when, it, when you harvest it as well, because some of those things are harvested earlier. And then you can actually do it in the fall again. You could do it, a fall crop. Yes, you can. Crop any,
0: any cool season crop you can plant in the spring, you can plant in the fall. Usually about the middle of August if you want to get a good yield into the fall. Uh, but we'll wait till fall to talk yeah. about that.
1: <laughs> That's for another show. Yeah. All right. But, you know,
0: things like your peas that you plant now, you'll be harvesting those the first part of June. Right. Uh, and then what I usually do is plant my basil and cilantro where my peas were.
1: So you do a natural kind of rotation as you're
0: Yeah. And those your mother just loves those things, so I just keep kinda of keep them going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well I love them too, so I also try to keep them going. Okay, so that's all good news. And I think on, on those things as well. I mean like cilantro, a lot of those kind of things you get to the heat of summer. And again, people are like, What's happened? Why why is it bitter now all of a sudden? And so just understand the crops that you're that you're growing. Do a little bit of research and understand kind of What's gonna happen? you know what do they look like when they're ready to eat? What happens if you leave them there? because um, sometimes you'll leave things they'll go to seed and then you've created another bit of an issue on your hand in your yeah. garden. but um, so it's just good to know, right to understand well, what you're what you're growing.
0: And you know this is becoming more and more important all the time that everyone should grow food if they can. Food is becoming very expensive. The quality of the nutrients that you can grow yourself, especially if you're growing organically, are so much better than what you can buy. Uh, We don't have a lot of options there sometimes, but at least a portion of what we grow, we can eat at home. And that's for the benefit of the whole family, right?
1: Absolutely. And neighbors, if you've got zucchini.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, just about anything. Oh, That's true. It's
1: the same way. Okay, so um, all right, so we've talked about that you plan the garden. I, I think one thing that's interesting to bring up and and Joss, my brother actually brought that up the other day to me as far as this this new garden that I'm going to plant. He said, you know this is a new area. Remember to think about where you're putting your tall tomato cages that are gonna eventually be very tall where they might block the sun on some of or if you're gonna do corn. You know that is going to grow up high and that's going to end up shading things you may not want to be shaded so you've right. got to think about a little bit where the sun is going to be during the summertime and where your crops are so that you're not accidentally shading something that really needs more sun
0: exactly well if you have a if you have a an option, probably north south rows in this area are best, and then if you want to plant corn, you can plant to the north end uh and and your first planting would be farthest north, and then as you came farther south, because as they grow up, they'll shade anything that's planted north of it, right? Right. So your tomato frames then, uh, and I like to go up with my tomato frames, as you know, rather mm-hmm. than, you can let them sprawl on the ground, but it's more fun to get a good cage and if you're going to use our tomato secret, you better get a big cage. Mm-hmm. And a strong one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or they'll get weighted down. What The point I'm trying to make when I grow these big tomatoes is, really, you can plant two or three tomatoes and frame them up, you know, seven feet or so high, and you can get more tomatoes than you can get by planting a dozen on a small frame. Sure. So you can be space-sparing, and is that a word, space-sparing? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it is. If not, you just made it up. <laughs> right.
0: So uh, you can just grow a lot of tomatoes doing that. I like to put my tomato secret, a cup of that in the ground, mix it up in the, in the hole, in the planting hole, and then water my plant in with a, a little bit of Thrive or chicken soup, and things just do gloriously well, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, they really do. I'm amazed um, just with the few tips and tricks and things that you've come up with over the years, the things you've invented to help grow tomatoes and grow them tall, but also plentiful. There's there's a lot of fruit, so that's the kind of cool thing. I mean, you can a lot of times it's easy to grow a tall plant, but to have it also have a lot of fruit and good tasting, you know, full of nutrients.
0: <clears throat> right. You can grow a huge tomato using. A lot of nitrogen or ammonium sulfate but you won't have any fruit right or if you do get some fruit it won't be very big and and honestly won't be very tasty
1: yeah well the other thing too I like about the products that we use around our tomatoes is that you're also building the life in the soil so you're not stripping the soil out and leaving it you know because next year you're hoping to grow again and what you don't want to be doing is growing in you know, lifeless concrete. You really would like to continue to build it and make it, you know, a deeper and richer soil that's, you know, full of this wonderful microbiome that right. makes exactly. everything grow so lush and wonderful. Okay, well, it looks like we are uh, <coughs> heading to another break. I uh, just wanted to quickly remind everybody that if you we're not taking calls today, but you can send us an email at zamzos at zamzos.com and you're listening to the Zamzos Garden Show. The Zamzos Garden Show will be back right here on Newstalk, KBOI.
2: Hi, this is Josh Zamzo, and have you started to notice dandelions in your yard? They always seem to be the first weed that pops up in the spring. But what most people don't know is the dandelions you're starting to see now actually germinated last October. That means they have an established root system, which makes them really hard to control, especially if you use traditional weed killers that are designed to work when outside temperatures are above 70 degrees. And by the time that happens, the dandelions have won. Which is why at Zamzo's we have lots of options for eliminating dandelions, including one highly effective remedy that works great when the temperature is only 40 degrees, which is what you need to kill dandelions in April. And along with treating your lawn for dandelions, you also want to feed it right now with Zamzo's biologically correct lawn food, which makes your lawn so thick and healthy there's no place left for dandelions to grow. So if you have dandelions, use the only remedy that works when the temperature is 40 degrees, available only at Zamzo's. Nobody knows like
1: News Talk KBOI. Welcome back to the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host today, Callie Zamzo, and I'm here with my dad, Jim Zamzo, and we are talking about gardening. That's so apropos.
0: <laughs> and a little of everything else
1: Exactly, exactly So we uh, want to remind everybody we're not taking calls today But you can always send us an email Zamzos at zamzos.com I also want to introduce, uh, if you don't know about it We have a website, uh, drjims.com It's spelled D-R-J-I-M-Z Dot And there's a bunch of tips and tricks on that website As well as uh, the ability to order online For those of you who are not in the Treasure Valley And unable to come to one of our 13 stores Here in the Treasure Valley so dad, oh, the other thing too I wanna to talk about, you were talking, you mentioned Tomato Secret. We also have Tomato Boom. So will you talk to us a little bit? Like, is there a difference? Is it the same? What's the? Well,
0: we started marketing uh, Tomato Secret nationally uh, when we were making it back in, in Iowa. And we, Tomato Boom was the, the Idaho brand and the national brand was Tomato Secret. But because there's confusion there, we've decided to just go with the one brand, which is Tomato Secret. But we had quite a few people at the Flower and Garden Show say, Tomato Secret, is that the same thing as Tomato Boom? (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's it's the same thing.
1: Um, But Tomato Secret is branded under the Dr. Jim's brand. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, Hopefully that's helpful. All right. So we were talking talking about laying out the garden, and we we talked a little bit about tomatoes. We talked a little bit about you know, doing the colder crop, the cool crops. What else What else as far as actually creating the garden? Do we okay,
0: need to- so sometimes we run into trouble when we plant our vining crops in amongst the rest of our garden. Now, that is okay in a British-style garden where you've just got stuff growing all over each other. But I prefer to keep it separate. So if you're going to plant a zucchini plant or a zucchini hill, uh, find an area like off in the corner so that it doesn't overpower everything else. It'll shade your onions and all your spring stuff. And once the zucchini starts going, you know, there's sometimes <laughs> kind of hard to stop. Yeah. But it's wonderful to grow them. You just make sure you've got them in an isolated area, off in a corner, and make sure you give them, you know, at least six feet in each direction. And the same thing is true for the melons, cantaloupe and watermelon and so on.
1: Pumpkins. Yes. That's all. Okay.
0: But, you know, be careful that you don't, intermingle those. Most of those vining type crops will cross. So even with, some have crossed with cucumbers. So you put a zucchini and a pumpkin uh, out there too close together, you may end up with a zuku pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> a, so pump, a pumpkini. I like uh. <laughs> to keep them kind of separate and uh, because the bees do pollinate them. And we can talk about that in a minute. If If they don't have any bees, we can we can talk about how to pollinate using a cotton swab. So, Okay. Uh, so that's one thing. Keep those things separate. Give them plenty of room in between. Uh, make sure your tall stuff is is further to the north so that they're not shading everything. And you're off to a good start. Yeah. It's time to get things planted. And uh, we, of course, have tips and all kinds of tricks in the stores. Come in and, and talk to the to the store personnel. They can teach you how to plant if you don't know how. Also those tips and tricks that we talked about on the drjimzy.com, uh, and then also your your folder, or your flyer that you hand out is very instructional. So, Absolutely. so that's also, off to a good start.
1: I would also encourage people, like you've been doing this for a long time, so you kind of have it down. I think sometimes we will just get analysis paralysis, and we want everything to be perfect, and so we can't even get the first seed in the ground because Whoa, I don't know what yeah. I'm supposed to be doing. It. I think you can relax a little bit with this. Let it be part of how you learn. It's amazing how you can have a garden. The your first garden will happen, and before you know it, you'll be ten gardens in in ten years, yeah. and you will have learned so much. And and yes, we're all making mistakes. We all learn something from those mistakes. And but better to do it than to not do it at all. And, and I be always frozen. say. That,
0: there's as many different ways to garden as there sure. are gardeners. Uh, everybody learns and everybody's got their own little secret tricks about how this works. And, and that's why I like to talk to, always like to talk to the elders because if they've gardened for a number of years, they're always helpful and they know stuff that, that I didn't know. Yeah. And, you know, like, like one time, uh, what do we call the husk tomato, tomatillo? Yeah. Uh I can remember one time I I didn't want to plant too many I only had room for one so I planted a tomatillo and uh, cuz I like that green salsa I didn't get any any of those husked tomatoes on there and I found out that you've always got to plant at least two if you just plant one tomatillo, you will not get any fruit. So those are good things to know. and, get, and Because you can buy one tomatillo plant. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> so, so it's always good to kind of ask if you don't know for sure. Uh, and and that's the fun of it. And I think and then, that's
1: how the stores could be helpful too. Yeah. If you have a question like that, come in and ask us, and we're happy to help anytime. Exactly. Um, okay, well, let's talk about some of the problems that we might run into. Some of the issues that, that are common to, especially for new gardeners, but honestly, you know, I, I do a little bit of work with the with the master gardeners in in Canyon County, and we get calls all the time with some of these things we're about to talk about. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's start with like the kind of the J hooking that happens with cucumbers sometimes. What's what's the deal there? What happens? What what did you do wrong? <laughs>
0: okay. Well, usually when when a cucumber gets a little hook on the end of it, we, and we do call that J hooking. We also call it J hooking when a, a pine or a, a fir or a spruce tree does the same thing. In that incidence, it's usually a boron deficiency. Hmm. But in zucchinis, now not not crookneck zucchinis. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Those are <laughs> they're supposed, supposed to,
0: to, to do be that. <laughs> have a crook tail. <laughs> but I'm talking about the blossom end. When that's a curve, it usually means you've uneven watering. Ah. So if you stabilize your water and keep a more even moisture with cucumbers and they're real heavy water drinkers. So they require a lot of moisture and that's why I like to mulch. And that's one of the things that I've kept my weeding and, and the labor in my garden way down. <clears throat> and that's why I also I like to leave a lot of room between my rows mm-hmm. because I I get a bale of hay and I take the little segments out and i place those just like little pieces of tile right down the the row and then i don't have to hoe that area so and yes. again that's on those uh, on the website
1: you started doing I, that after us kids grew up cuz that used to be our job
0: yeah <laughs> and i'd start doing it because you would never do it
1: <laughs> well that's probably true too <laughs> no enough. if you
0: especially if you've got a fairly large garden Uh, You want to keep the labor down as much as you can. Besides that, it holds moisture, keeps the weeds down, keeps your temperature of your soil cooler when it gets real hot. And, and that's a good point, I don't usually mulch until the soil is is warmed up. If you put your mulch on before the soil warms up, it holds that cold temperature in your ground too long. good tip. So wait until it warms up before you start putting on a heavy mulch.
1: All right. Very good tip. Thank you for that. How about, uh, we hear about this all the time, blossom end rot in tomatoes, peppers. Yeah. What, what's uh, what's going on there? Well, well I guess that, let's describe it. Yeah. It's
0: that brown, it's usually kind of a brown leathery patch on the blossom end of your fruit. And that is, we know that it's a calcium deficiency, but oftentimes it's a calcium deficiency because of uneven watering as well. Uh, and so what happens is, when the soil dries out or is kept too wet, there's an imbalance of, of potassium to calcium release in the soil. So if we keep it a little more evenly moist, uh, then we have less of that. If we do that and, and we still got the problem, then we're almost sure we've got a a calcium deficiency. And you can correct that. We've got Blossom Enrot products, who, which are usually a calcium-based uh, formula. Uh, we can use uh, hydrated lime around our plants. That's often helpful, and we have any number of different uh, products in the stores that will help with that. But usually if you use the tomato secret, we've, we've eliminated those problems because we've got all those goodies in there already.
1: Well, and I, I find that too uh, with insects and disease as well. It's amazing that when you have a really healthy plant, those things don't move in or they might be a little bit there but they're not destroying the plant and so you're okay
0: well I've always said that insects and disease are nature's garbage collectors so if you've got a healthy plant you have fewer insects and disease
1: yeah well that's uh, that's that's the trick right keeping everything healthy and
0: and that's the truth (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, guess I guess that's a great place to end Dad thank you for being with us today And helping us with, with the tips and tricks on gardening You're welcome um, We look forward to seeing how your garden looks And I'm excited about getting started with mine So, yeah,
0: and, uh, and I hope you don't get the first tomato
1: I will <laughs> This is my year Thanks right. everybody Hi, this is Callie Zamzo, and it's time to apply your spring application of Zamzo's lawn food, one bag at a time or as part of our five step annual lawn program. You see, now that the soil temperature is starting to warm up, many Treasure Valley lawns start to wake up and turn green. When that happens, thousands of people rush to Zamzo's to purchase their lawn programs all at the same time. But you can avoid the rush by stopping by any Zamzo's and purchasing your lawn program now. You'll get five applications of Zamzo's biologically correct lawn food for one low price. We store it for you, email or text you when it's time to apply each step, and even loan you a spreader to apply it with for free. It's time to apply step one of our five-step program now. And once you do, you'll have a beautiful green lawn weeks before anyone else. So this year, beat the rush and pick up your Zamzo's lawn program now at any Zamzo's. 13 stores to serve you, including our Chinden store, which is Idaho's largest indoor greenhouse.
2: Nobody knows like Zamzo's.